Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the Metaverse, Web3, and more. All on the Hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Hey, it's Coindesk TV. It's The Hash. It's Zach Seward. It's Jen Sinassi. It's Will Foxley. It's also a Friday, so you know it's going to be fun. We got a lot of stuff to get to on today's show, in which we tell you the news that stood out to us and why it matters. Jen, we're going to start with some FTX stuff. Remember that FTX stuff? Some new developments in that case. We're going to toss it your way. What do you got? Yeah, how could we forget the FTX stuff? So the DOJ has accused former FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried of leaking the private diary of ex-Elemator Research CEO Caroline Ellison to the New York Times. This comes after the New York Times published an article that had Ellison's private thoughts, her private musings, leading to the DOJ seeking a ban on all out-of-court statements made by witnesses and other parties in the case. They're saying this could taint the jury. So, Will, I'm going to pass it off to you. What do you make of this? I think the New York Times article came out yesterday. What do you think? Juicy stuff, right? And Coindesk was the one that also did the breakup story afterwards of Ellison and Sam Baker and Fried, who were apparently dating part of this weird group of people living in the Bahamas together in an apartment, trading crypto and perhaps more than that. Uh, so there's definitely some like romantic activities between all these people. And the fact that he went so far to discredit her as revealing her private diary uh, definitely means that that relationship is over. We also know that like this could harm him in court because now they're trying to get him to, uh, they're clamping down on him and saying like, you can't be talking to the media, you can't be talking to the press and they're pressing forward with that, trying to make sure that he can't speak to anyone else. And why is that? Well, tampering with a witness is key against him. Ellison and a lot of the other executives at FTX, those former executives, have turned state's witness right, where they're going to the Justice Department and being like, hey, this is what's going on. Sam Bankman fried did not do that. He has pleaded not guilty at this time. So we're waiting for those proceedings to occur in October. And this could be key information for both sides here. But I think it's just part of a larger thing that SBF, as much as he's sitting in his parents' basement right now, he still wants to be in the light. And that's why he's talking to New York Times reporters. It's back. Man, season three of FTX. It's just, it's just crazy. You can't write this stuff. I mean, you just couldn't do, you couldn't make this up. Like the, juicy. the past relationship, the past tryst being just so violated here with the leaking of a private diary like this. Mm. It's just the twists and turns in this uh, in this case are unending. 
never fails to surprise. There's always some new piece of minutia that makes this alleged fraud probably one of the most notable, interesting, and very sort of 21st century social media stories of all time, right? You've got all this stuff that's unfolding in real time, all these crazy plot twists that are somewhat Shakespearean, somewhat Netflix studios, right? Like it's just it's just wild. When this all gets distilled into its its inevitable movie form, there will be plenty of real material to draw from that many viewers will say, no way, you made that up. That can't be based in reality when in fact it is. That's just how crazy this story is. And we're gonna talk about more about that in a bit. But Jen, I saw your hand, I'm gonna throw it your way. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, in all of the developments that come out about Sam Bankman Freed, his actions since the collapse of FTX, I keep asking myself, is this calculated or is it driven by emotion? And I still can't really figure it out. You know, leaking this document to the New York Times could be a very calculated move to manipulate media, taint the jury, or it could just be an emotional move because he doesn't know what to do next. He wants to stay in the spotlight and he wants the New York Times to cover this story. So I just would love to get inside the brain of Sam Bankman-Fried. I don't know, maybe maybe one day he'll come on the hash and we get to ask him all of the burning questions. Oh, join us again, Jen. <laughs> yeah, he was on the, hash. on the hash. It's true. One day maybe he can rejoin us on the hash. You know, the New York Times article quotes some of the diary excerpts here as Ellison feeling unhappy and overwhelmed with her job. There's one quote in the article that says, at the end of the day, I can't wait to go home and turn off my phone and have a drink and get away from it all. So you have to just wonder what was kind of going on behind the scenes, even way before the implosion of FTX happened. It sounds like it wasn't a very happy place. It wasn't a very organized place. It sounds like absolute chaos. Zach? Yeah, we heard some of this in you know public statements by Brett Harrison, right, who was the chief of FTX US. And I think his telling is that, you know, dating back to spring of 22, right, before things hit the fan in November, all the way back in April, like the tensions were starting to boil over, in which, according to his telling at least, he and other key executives on the team started seeing Sam Bankman-Fried's behavior as increasingly erratic and increasingly leading to arguments and outright fights among the crew, right? Not not physical fights, I should note, but just uh, back and forth that were less than pleasant. So um, yeah, you do get a bit more of a picture of the dysfunction that we've heard about from within the FTX empire through some of these, these highlights that are excerpted in the Times piece. It is just wild to see that more details keep emerging from what, again, remains a very compelling, fascinating Shakespearean story of, of, uh, of downfall and of craziness. Yeah, wild stuff. The trial yeah, is... Go ahead, Jen. Go ahead. I was just going to say the trial starting in October, and we should remind the audience that Ellison is a star witness against SBF. Well, the last thing I was just going to say to add on to what Zach said, uh, even before the Brett Harrison things, there was stuff going back to 2018 and 2019 when Alameda Research was getting off the ground. There was a, a key split at that time. A lot of people saying that Sam Bigger's behavior was domineering. Uh, and just led to a dissolution of a lot of the early key team members. People don't know that because it was a firm that no one really cared about at the time, but it went on to become FTX, the behemoth that's running Super Bowl commercials. And now we have this entire downfall playing out in New York Times. And one day, certainly Netflix. But let's go to the other stories we have with SBF because there's a few more headlines we have to read off. Let's. I'll do it. So FTX now helmed by John J. Reed III is seeking to claw back some $1 billion in cash, stocks, and other assets from former executives, including Sam Bankman-Fried himself. 
The lawsuit alleges that the fraudulent transfers of cash and shares, finance, political donations, real estate buys, you name it. There's also some strange details relating to Sam Bankman-Fried's brother and some aspirations around making an effective altruist colony on a tropical island. Some more crazy, strange details emerging from this story in the form of a fresh lawsuit with a big old number attached to it. Jen, I'm going to toss it to you. Another day, another FTX drama. And when we spoke yesterday about the current FTX leadership trying to get funds back from multiple different organizations that received money from them, I think this is just all part of the bankruptcy proceedings. I think as much money as they can get back, they will get back as people don't want to be attached to the name FTX anymore. They don't want to be attached to all of this drama that's happening. And so if the money still exists, it will go back. I think, of course, this is a little bit different than what we spoke about yesterday. This involves uh, Sam Bankman-Fried, his family members, others on the leadership team. That island piece is absolutely insane. Lawrence and I chatted about it a little bit on First Mover this morning. He was just kind of dumbfounded by this. Like, how do you buy an entire island? There are people who live there. Probably you can't just turn it into a bunker for you and the rest of the effective altruists should there be an apocalypse one day. It's just like an absolutely insane turn to the story that again, Zach, you can't write. Like, I can't wait to see this turned into a movie and see all the different ways the story turns play out on on a big screen. There are some other really like weird uh, notes in here. $400,000 went to an entity that produced YouTube videos about effective altruism. I believe there's another $30,000, which is small change when we look at the, the numbers here that, that went towards a book that wasn't going to investigate something about humankind. I don't have it in front of me, but it's just absolutely wild. And the last wild point I will point out before kicking it off to you, Will, was Sam Bankman-Fried's brother, Gabriel, was the founder of an advocacy group called Guardians Against Pandemics. I believe we've spoken about it on the show before, which raised $22 million. This now says that most of that came from Sam Bankman-Fried himself. Well, Which probably meant that it came from a loan from FDT tokens or just from mm -hmm. customers themselves. That's the thing with these whole lawsuits, right? Like, we continue to see that there's been a large commingling of this, right, though, because they've either turned state's witness and turned in and they're going uh, to take the plea deal. And it's probably not going to be a very comfortable sentence, even though they have given into the plea deal. Or you're on the other side with St. Baker Freed, who is going to go into this trial with all these headlines heaped on top of them. Now, the last part that's sort of interesting to me, and we've talked about this yesterday, is how this works in the Chapter 11 sense, right? So John J. Ray III is working to get all this money back on behalf of all the customers at FTX. But the question is, like, can you get all this money back? Because a lot of times it has been issued out and maybe they were poor deals, but they were deals nonetheless, and it might be outside that window. So again, if you are a Chapter 11 expert, a legal expert, and want to talk to us on the show about it, we'd love to Come hear on. from you because I don't get how they get this money back. I don't know. Zach? Wow, that was a nice call to action. That was very, that was very smooth. I don't know. I didn't read the legal document, just read some of the stories, but where in the world is Sam Tribuco, right? The former co-CEO of Alameda. Is it in this document? Does it say where Sam Tribuco is besides being over water, as he famously said one time? That to me remains sort of an under-discussed aspect of this whole saga. Where is Sam Tribuco? That's what I want to know. I don't know if it's in there. I'll do some control effing a bit later on in the document itself. But uh, if you guys know, I ask you, what do you think about that angle? That's going to be a great fake tweet one of these days from some account that changes his handles and his profile pic. Sam Drabanko arrested or something like that. We don't know. I haven't heard anything about it since. 
it's really odd because everyone else, again, took the plea deal. Everyone took the plea deal here, except for Sam Bagman Freed. So why has he not appeared on the scene? Maybe maybe he's Scott Clean because he quit early and got out of it. I don't know. Jen? I don't know. Our, Your guess well, is as good as mine. That'll be for more season legal four. On this that'll show. be for season four, guys. After the trial, we gotta, we're, kinda, we're breaking this up. We're breaking the FTX story into seasons now. Got to save some good stuff for later. All right, I'm going to do a promotion about something that we're doing that you guys should definitely check out. Mining Week, presented by Foundry. It kicks off on Monday. Coindesk is going to take a closer look at an industry at a crossroads. Check out features on everything from everything about mining, policy, energy consumption, what mining has to do with skulls and hot tubs. Now I'm intrigued. It's all coming your way next week. Just a note, Foundry and Coindesk are both owned by DCG. Check out that content, will you? Good stuff. All right, stick with us. We got more stuff on the flip side of this break. Hey there, welcome back to The Hash. We have some late breaking news that we wanted to tell you about. Rosal Khan, aka Heather Morgan, and her boyfriend Ilya have accepted a plea deal in the Bitfinex hack laundering case in which they were alleged to have laundered a whole lot of Bitcoins from way back in the day. They're going to forfeit a lot of those Bitcoins and hopefully they end up with a better deal after it. Got to talk about Rosalcon. A lot of people thought she was going to be the biggest story of the year when that came out. And oh, were we wrong. But Rosalcon back in the headlines after Ilya and Heather accept a plea deal. All right. What do you think, Will? What's going on here? Okay. You guys want to guess the number? How much Bitcoin? I'm not going to give you time. It's 119,754 Bitcoin worth $3.5 billion was stolen from this Bitfinex hack. It's not really known if these two were the perpetrators of that hack as much so as we think they were probably just laundering the funds from that hack. They probably purchased the rights to that hack somehow, uh, enabling whoever did perform the hack to get out, Scott clean perhaps. And then these two took on the Took on the crypto and are trying to mix it around and get free with it. But it's very, very difficult to launder Bitcoin, especially in this size and quantity. Uh, people track these tokens all the time. Whenever there's some sort of tokens from a hack, you can always have these public alerts on them. So people are keeping an eye on them. So eventually, they found out. And that's what happened here with Razzlecon, which one of the more impressive CMOs in the crypto space. Jen? Don't commit crimes, people. You will get caught and you may find yourself accepting a plea deal. I just think, you know, maybe Sam Bankman-Fried can read the story and also accept a plea deal. So we don't need to go through the torture that this, this trial is inevitably going to put us through. That's all. That, those are my thoughts on that. I mean, Heather's trying to turn her life around. I remember we talked about her recently okay. getting okay. a job, which was cool, putting those marketing chops to work. So, hey, maybe, uh, maybe you know, maybe the turnaround is in store. All right, we got more stories, important stories to get to, and it starts okay, guys, we, with hamsters. Will, this is a story I've been waiting all day for, and I'm I'm upset. It's the story that we've talked about because it should be number one, and that is hamster racing on the blockchain. Story in Thailand, going to move over Shiba Inu crypto community for hamster race betting. Essentially, there are these online streamers who are betting with crypto, BUSD, other stable coins on these hamsters that are racing around the clock. If you win, you get crypto. These hamsters, I don't think they really get anything out of it because they're just kind of running around. But it spurred this whole thing again, where it's like, what, what can we do with crypto? Well, we can bet a lot and we can have some fun with it. So in the, the doldrums, the bear market, we are enjoying crypto again. Zach, I have to get your take on this one. 
Hamsters, man, they're back. This is amazing. When I first saw this, I was like, oh, I remember that there was like virtual horse racing on the Tron blockchain a while ago that was like super duper popular. And then I read this and I'm like, wow, it's real hamsters doing that. So credit to them for the IRL crypto crossover hit because this truly taps in to the degenerate impulses of crypto holders worldwide. I am amazed. I'm intrigued. I want to go watch. I've yet to watch it. I want to see what this is all about, because if this is the future of finance, sign me up. Hamsters <laughs> running around a track is great content. That's all I got to say. I tried to watch one of the races before the show, but it, it didn't start yet. I think it's probably happening right now as we speak. I just have questions about the logistics. Like, how are we all get? How are we getting the hamsters? Are they all together and racing? Will are they separate? You could answer. You're you overthinking could... it. Overthinking it, <laughs> I need to know more about the hamster reason. race. Okay. I think the best part about this is there's a hams token that I believe is up a thousand, a thousand percent. Is that true? Since Thursday, I'll be fact checked in a, in a matter of minutes. This hams token is really interesting. The platform takes five percent of a cut on all bets, and then four percent gets redistributed to hams token holders. So there's like a little community building here, maybe even a little DAO, if you will. This story just really has it all, you know? Zach, what do you think? This is just like the, the umbrella story for all crypto use cases that includes hamsters. You totally glossed over that amazing graphic that was on the screen featuring sad, sad CK, who is a lovable loser <laughs> when it comes to the hamster ranks. He is not doing great. Look at that record, folks. He's lost 326 times. He's won eight times. Someone out here making jokes about euthanizing poor CK. We will not stand for that, sir. We will not stand for that. Even though he's not great he's at hamster racing, he still is a worthy hamster, and we should celebrate him for what he's good at. Probably creative, and no hamsters are harmed in the making of these races, we think. We, we don't think? know that. Do we yeah. know that? We I don't know. Some we should not be overly credulous about how these hamsters are. Being I really treated. hope that no hamsters are harmed. Is I guess I hope what that I there's no say. performance enhancing what drugs at play because yeah, Ooh. it could be. You never know. You never know. We're gonna have to dig into this one. We can't take this at face value. We're gonna have to send. I think it's Sharyu who filed this piece to his credit. We're gonna have to send him on a reporting trip and see what he can unearth from the hamster racing scene. I think that's that's I the hope only. They're all okay. That's the only thing. It's the only thing we can do. I hope they're okay. Me too. All right. Too. Let's move on to even more serious stories. You guys ready? Let's. I'm ready. McDonald's is celebrating its 40th anniversary of Chicken McNuggets. And how are they doing this? They're doing it by opening McNuggets Land in the sandbox. So at McNuggets Land, you can learn about McNuggets should you want to do so and the sauces and interact with little Chicken McNuggets. And I'm sure you can also meet your friends in this virtual world, although I haven't been there. So I'm not yet. I haven't confirmed. Zach, yeah, you just go for it. I'm thinking of those little nuggets that we just saw, CK among them There's, and the hamster, oh, to, the hamster, hamster to McNugget <laughs> transition has me a little, little queasy, queasy right now. Not, not going to lie. Not liking, not liking this sequencing because we had those cutie little nuggets, a little racing nuggets. And now we have the real deal, the McNuggets. I think Edible like McNuggets. <laughs> McDonald's, like to to be fair, has like dabbled in crypto memory for a while now. They have at least one social media guy who is like all in on crypto <laughs> and has done some funny memes that have put them into the crypto conversation. So the fact that they're dabbling in the metaverse, you know, credit to them for uh, continuing that exploration. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the sandbox is doing of late, right? Sandbox was one of those early successes around getting folks actually into the metaverse. Would be curious to see what their user numbers are looking like currently. Uh, so we'll reserve judgment on that. But yeah, it would be interesting to see if a big giant brand that some people really love is the way that they get their first taste of the metaverse experience. Because, you know, that's what people do, right? They like to associate and affiliate with the brands that they care about. We talked about this uh, before in the context of like Web3 Hollywood, right? Like this is IP that people can participate in in a different way than had historically been available to them. So uh, yeah, McDonald's, they love the crypto. They love making crypto memes. Jen, what do you think? Yeah, they filed a patent to operate a virtual restaurant online featuring home delivery last year, which I think is pretty interesting. And an interesting way, I would say, for restaurants to be thinking about how to actually use the metaverse. Like if you can take your little digital character to order food that actually arrives at your home, that's kind of a fun experience. Elevates maybe Uber Eats or calling your local pizza store. I have a way for McDonald's to elevate this campaign, though. So obviously on the shelf behind me, I have all of these Happy Meal toys, right? And I thought that those little chicken, little chicken nuggets, they're so cute. They could be made into Happy Meal toys. Stick with me here, right? You get your little Happy Meal. You got your little real life nuggets, guys. Okay. And on the Happy Meal box now, you, I don't know if there's a way for you to like, maybe QR codes are kind of lame, but scan a QR code. I don't know get you to the sandbox. And now here you are playing your McNuggets game and you have your physical McNuggets little guy and maybe the two can correlate. And now we have an immersive experience that we obviously need to work the details out on. But I think that would take this to the next level. Well, you're a dynamic person, marketing <laughs> expert for McDonald's, legal <laughs> expert for the hash. A lot going on in that. Do it all. A lot box. going on in this little, little head. <laughs> Is McDonald's the only brand that people don't really hate on when it comes to crypto stuff? Because I feel like it's genuinely funny and it, like they don't overplay it. The other crypto brands, the other big brands who get in crypto, I should say, I think they always mess it up. They always like banana peel it and it's never funny and it's always awful. And you're like, why are you doing this? There's like a Slim Jim thing. There's been like a 7-Eleven thing. But I think what McDonald's says, they're like, they're kind of funny about it. And it's probably because, if I'm right, it's probably because... There's always that meme running around that when crypto prices go broke, crypto bros go work at McDonald's. And I think McDonald's has leaned into it a little bit here. Well, crypto culture to end our week on, Zach. We love the crypto culture. We're just doing it for the culture here. And this one, yeah, it was on a T, right? They leaned into the, uh, you know, the, the broke Wojak going to work at McDonald's. And they're like, yeah, let's do it. Like, let's take this meme and run with it. To their credit, they have. And they've run straight into the metaverse. You just love to see it. Anyway, I don't know if there's much more to say about these McNuggets, but getting a little hungry. Not really a McDonald's guy myself. Jen, are you a McDonald's gal? Did we just did we just hear this? No. I mean, like the Happy Meals are kind of fun sometimes, but not really a McDonald's gal through and through, you know? I hear you. Fair enough. All right. Well, we'll put a pin in it. That's it for the show today. That's it for the show this week, actually. I'm Zach Seward. We got Jen Sinassi, Will Foxley here on The Hash, Coindesk TV, Coindesk Podcast Network. We're here for you. We'll talk to you next week. I will be away, but these fine folks will be around, I hope. All right, that's it. Have a great weekend, everybody. Talk to you soon. Bye. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. 